This is Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Lucia Benavides, and today we're talking about Catalan architect Luis Dumenac y Montaner. Considered the father of Catalan modernism, Dumenac y Montaner is best known for designing Barcelona's famous Palau de la Musica Catalana and the San Pau Hospital, both of which are UNESCO World Heritage Sites. He was a renowned professor and a key figure in Catalan politics. This week marks a hundred years since his death on December 27, 1923. On today's episode, we'll hear from experts focusing on Domenac y Montaner's life as an architect and as a politician. Here to help us learn about his life is reporter Lea Belayeva. Hi, Lea. Hi, Lucia. Let's start by dispelling the myth that Antoni Gaudí, the famous architect behind the Sagrada Familia and Parguel, many other buildings, um, that he's the father of Catalan modernism. That's not the case, right? No, that's not the case at all. In fact, Gaudí was a student of Domènech. Oh, wow. Okay. So Gaudí studied at the school where Domènech y Montaner mm -hmm. was a teacher, but okay. they were very close in age. They were oh. only three years apart. Because it was the same time period. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So maybe that's the a part of the part of the confusion, but actually yeah. Dumena Kimuntane was the, the mastermind, if we can right. say that, okay. uh, of Catalan modernism. Oh wow, interesting. And what tell me a little bit about him, like yeah, when was he born? What's his background? How did he get into architecture? Domènech y Montaner was born in Barcelona in 1850. He was born into an upper-middle-class family that were owners of a publishing house and a bookbinding company. And he studied architecture in Madrid and in Barcelona. And then also he realized that he wanted to create something unique for Catalan architecture, mm -hmm. something proper. And another thing about Domènech y Montaner was that he was very academic in his approach. So everything was very well studied. Nothing yeah. was left to just... Um, like the chance or exactly. by accident. Yeah, 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 nothing at all. Everything was meticulous. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then because he was so academic uh, in his approach, he became actually a teacher of mm -hmm. a newly Makes created sense. school in Barcelona in 1875. He, he had great visions. Uh-huh. Not only was he a great teacher, but he really had great ideas of what architecture was supposed to be. Yeah. And as an example of that, when he became a teacher, he actually changed the whole curriculum of the school wow. to include uh, subjects as optics, acoustics, and geology that were to become very important for the construction of the Palau de la Musica, Catalana. Mm -hmm. And he also included subjects related to hygiene and ventilation and natural light. And those three topics were very important to the later construction of the uh, Hospital San Pau that we're right. going to talk about later. Right, right. And these um, these subjects, these themes, I think you can see the influence that it had on Gaudí as a student because these are, if you For visited sure. Sagrada Familia, you know that like light is a huge thing, that acoustics is a huge thing. So you can see kind yeah. of the, the influence, the influence he, had. he yeah. had. for on, sure. On probably a lot of architects, not just Gaudí, he's just the most famous one. Yes. Yeah. 
And uh, so speaking of Gaudi and this group of artists, um, they are known to take part in what's called Catalan modernism. Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, so Catalan modernism is an architectural and art movement that took place between 1885 and 1920, approximately. Okay. But today we're only going to center the conversation around architecture. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it was an, basically an eclectic style of references from the past, from mm -hmm. the Catalan architectural past, mm -hmm. but with a, a modern twist and also, very, very important, an ornamental twist uh, or yes. a focus <laughs> on decoration and decorative elements. Yeah, and colors. And colors. <laughs> yeah. Colors and just an abundance of everything, basically. Yeah. So I would like to give some specific examples of some references that were yeah. um, important in the, architect in the architecture. Okay. One of them is the classical style from the Roman times, but the modernist twist is that these columns were decorated with ceramic flowers. Yeah. And then the Gothic references that we see are the big windows mm -hmm. that we just talked about. But mm -hmm. the twist is the stained glass. Yeah, the beautiful designs. Yeah. Yeah. And if you just go to La Sagrada Familia, for example, mm -hmm. you can see just yeah. when the light comes in, yeah. in all the different colors. One of the other elements was the patios, which was, well... Romantic style, but also before that, the Arabic style. Right. Mm. And that was a very big element, particularly in Dumenaki Muntane, that when he mm -hmm. created houses, he always included big patios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the pavement was many times made of mosaic, which is also uh, a Romantic Arabic tradition. And a very characteristic part of modernist architecture uh -huh. is the are the romantic references of iconography on uh -huh. the walls. Because when we when we think about iconography, we think about uh, romantic churches, right? Religious things, exactly. Yeah. But the modern twi the modernist twist to this is that instead of the the religious iconography, you see uh, flowers. Yeah, flowers everywhere, and it can be. Uh, tiles, it mm -hmm. can be just uh, ceramics, it can be, well, different kind of um, techniques. The last example that I want to give you for something that's very, very specific for the modernist uh, architecture yeah. is the use of iron. Okay. Okay. So here uh, in the modernist architecture, this was the first time that they used iron, but as a decorative part. Okay, because before, how was it? Well, used? before it was just industrial or to yeah. to, to build structures. But okay. now, you if you walk around, for example, in the city of Barcelona, you can see many of the old markets yeah, or even true. well, all kinds of buildings that use uh, iron to create flowers or different right. different shapes. Yeah, it's, it's a decorative technique. It's a decorative it's a, yeah, uh, yeah, technique. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But can you give some example of Dumenac y Montaner's um, creations and buildings and... What you mentioned before, Lucia, the mm -hmm. Palau de la Musica Catalana. Yeah, in the Bourne neighborhood. In yes. case some people don't know where it is, you've of probably Villa seen Laetana. it. Yeah, it's that 
huge building, very colorful with, if you've been inside, there's a gigantic horse. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's an amazing example of modernism. It really yeah. is. Which, of course, I suppose that that's why it's also on the World Heritage list, yeah. right? Because very it unique. Really, yeah. It is very unique. And then, of course, there's the Hospital San Pau that we're mm -hmm. going to talk about shortly. So that's inside of, that's in Barcelona City. Mm -hmm. But... We mustn't forget the yeah. rest of Catalonia. Yeah. And here, um, Dumenac y Montané has a trail. Really? A, a large trail of, of his style and his legacy. Yeah. So Reus is, would be a very, very important city to mention. And it is the second capital of Catalan modernism. Oh, wow. Um, so that means that when you go to Reus, you will see a lot of modernist buildings really interesting and they have also a modernist route yeah the cool. funny thing about reus is that this was where he built uh, Domenico Montané built the institut peramata which was a psychiatric mm -hmm. hospital and mm -hmm. it was the precursor to hospital san pao okay so yeah. he just made well everything he took everything he did in institut peramata he basically did bigger or the yeah. plan was to do it bigger uh, in San Pau. Yeah, and Hospital San Pau is actually, we mentioned earlier, one of his most famous works. Uh, if anyone has walked past, even if you didn't know about Dumenec y Montaner, you, this building probably caught your eye because it's probably. hard to miss. It's very hard to miss. It's huge and it's beautiful and very, very colorful. Yeah. And actually, I went there and I talked to archivist Miquel Terreo about the history and the use of this old hospital. Well, let's hear what he said. Hospital San Pau was one of the crown jewels in Luis Domenech y Montané's career. The architect was commissioned to build the state-of-the-art hospital to reflect the highest standards of public health and sanitation. Built between 1901 and 1930, the hospital complex is made up of 12 separate pavilions connected through an underground system of tunnels and surrounded by large open spaces with gardens. But what was the main inspiration for Dumenac y Montané? Good morning to you and uh, welcome to the Hospital of Santa Creu y San Pau. Let me introduce myself. I am Luis Dumenac, architect at your service. This is the recreated voice of Domenac y Montané at the San Salvador Pavilion, which visitors can talk to in several languages through a hologram of the late architect. This thing about inspiration, I believe that an architect, first of all, must focus on the function, eh? and from there, he must collect the aesthetic principles from the past years that suited best, without renouncing modern technical innovations. Miquel Terreo, archivist at San Pau, says hygiene was the main focus of the architect when building the hospital. The idea was that it had to be a place that was healthy for the patients. Not only because this is where medicine happened, but also because uh, the ambience as well, the atmosphere had to be clean, had to be hygienic. The hygienic atmosphere was created by installing big windows to create ventilation and let in natural light year-round thanks to the hospital's east-west orientation. This light, as well as the decorations of the pavilion's walls and ceilings, was intended to create an atmosphere that would encourage patients to improve emotionally, explains Miquel Terreo as he shows one of the restored pavilions. Because Domenic is, uh, is very conscious of the, of the importance of having an agreeable uh, ambience for the patients, even when they are in bed. So he decorates all the ceilings and walls 
with again flowers and but also because he's also very conscious that it has to be a hospital and to make sure that it will be still an, uh, an hygienic uh, space he covers it with tiles with flat tiles Domenaki Montaner used flowers and nature in his architecture as a decorative motif. At the Hospital San Pau, he also planted different trees and flora outside between the pavilions, as he thought they would have a therapeutic effect on the patients. Just as with his architecture, nothing was coincidental. See, between one pavilion and the next one, there is this big surface, and Domenaki decides to plant trees on both sides. On the south side, which is always on the shadow, trees uh, more adapted to winter, to do it this way. And on the north side, which is all, which most of the year will have uh, will be in the sun, uh, summer summer species. The hospital was included on the UNESCO World Heritage List in 1997 when it was still a functioning hospital. In 2009, the hospital closed and then was restored as a modernist site that preserves and explores the history of the hospital and the architecture of Domenac y Montaner. Thank you to Miquel Terreo for speaking with us. Now, even though Domenac y Montaner is best known for his architectural work um, and his time as a professor, he was also, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, a politician, which is a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell me how he got involved in politics and why? Yeah, so he got involved very young at 21 years old. Wow. And... Um, and this was in the midst of the Catalan Renascença, that means the, the literary and cultural movement that sought to revive the Catalan language mm -hmm. that until then had been basically suppressed for around 100 years. Yeah. So he decided that he wanted to do something, okay, but on two fronts. So architecturally that we've talked right. about, yeah. and then also politically or as some sort of an activist or writer. He was a founder of various associations in Barcelona, and he founded various papers and magazines, and he was a very active contributor also to wow. the, the Catalan Renaissance uh, movement of writing in Catalan. Yeah. And in, in 1878, he published an article that was called In Search of a National Architecture. Oh. So here he was yeah. writing about like what can we do to find something to, to rediscover and revive something out, something proper. And at some point he also went to Madrid as a congressman for four years. And ideologically he was on the center conservative spectrum for, so that means he wanted a free Catalonia, free more rights or just rights and as a whole, and yeah. also self-determination and prosperity. But then over the years, he became increasingly Republican. But he was also far from being an anarchist. So he, at the end of his life, he was a center-left Republican. Right. Okay. And we should mention that this is right before the Second Republic was founded in Spain, which eventually led to the Spanish Civil War. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and some people say actually that he was very ahead of his time in terms of politics. Right, right. I talked to Carla Saiz, historian and writer at the research center called Centro de Estudios de Lluís Domènech i Montaner. <laughs> Thank you.
Domènech és un personatge íntegre i que utilitza Domènech i Montaner was a well-rounded person who used all his virtues to serve his country. He took from the various fields that he had studied and mixed this knowledge together, but the end goal was the fatherland. During his studies of Catalan architectural history, Domènech i Montaner realized that he needed to take it a step further if he really wanted to make a difference. Però de seguida se n'adona que anant amb el lliri la mà i anant a fer excursions He realized early on that going on excursions to look at how pretty Catalonia was or to observe Catalan churches would not lead him anywhere, Saith explains. So, Domènech i Montaner quickly got behind the politicization of this Catalanism and took part in the political action. In 1891, he co-founded the group Unió Catalanista and became its president. And one year later, the political program known as Las Bases de Manresa was approved. Inspired by federalism, the program proclaimed Catalonia as a sovereign country with Catalan as the official language and re-established the Catalan parliament Las Corts Catalanas. This document is widely regarded as the birth of political Catalanism. But despite being a part of the political inner circle at the time, Domènech i Montaner was never a purebred politician, according to Saith. Serà un home que creurà de conviccions i que, a més a més, mai acabarà acatant la disciplina de partit. He was a man who acted according to his beliefs, Saith says, but he would never get to the point of accepting the party discipline. Domènech i Montaner was against the 1914 creation of the Catalan Commonwealth by his old party colleagues from the Catalan Regionalist League because he saw it as a minimum agreement that didn't focus enough on what he thought was the most important goal, the creation of a Catalan Republic within a federal framework. Es de fet un autèntic visionari, perquè ell quan mor el 23, eh, encara faltaran Actually, he was a real visionary, says Saif, because he died in 1923, eight years before the proclamation of the Catalan Republic and the reinstatement of the Republican Parliament by Catalan President Francesc Macià. Thank you to Carla Saiz for speaking with us. So we mentioned earlier how most people think of Antoni Gaudí as a father of Catalan modernism. He's definitely the most famous one worldwide. Um, but I'm curious why more people don't know about Domènech i Montaner since he is the father of Catalan modernism. Um, he's the one that kind of led this movement. Yeah, it's actually a, a big mystery. Everybody I asked, they didn't really, they didn't have an answer to yeah. why. But I've been thinking about it, and I think that Gaudí is so famous because he has been in the spotlight of uh, because of La Sagrada Familia right. that has been 140 years in the making yeah. and still not done. So yeah. it keeps uh, it keeps getting headlines, right? right. That right. now they have built this other tower. Now they have yeah. done these different things, yeah. and also he was much more playful in his architectural style. Gaudi. So, Gaudi. Yeah. He used many more colors, uh, different textures, and you couldn't always see what everything was um, mm -hmm. architecturally. Whereas with Domènech i Montaner, you can always see what everything is. You can always see, okay, this is a column, this is a window, right. just highly, highly decorated. More practical. More practical. Than Gaudi, yeah. And then another very important thing is that in the modernist technique, they used a lot of brick. Right. And now we have exposed brick everywhere. 
But at the time they didn't, so it was a novelty. But now when we walk down the street, we don't really pay that much attention to it. Right. And yeah, we take here, it for granted. We now. take it yeah. for granted. And then new. when we compare it to Gaudi, that technique still really stands out today in yeah. a different way. Okay. So I think that maybe that is something that could explain why everybody knows Gaudi. Yeah. And unfortunately not the father. Right. Domenech right. Yeah. It's like the man behind the man. Exactly. As opposed to the woman behind the man, which is <laughs> usually the person that gets lost in history. <laughs> yeah. And what you were saying earlier about Sagrada Familia, it's also just become such a symbol for Barcelona. Like when you see pictures exactly. of Barcelona, it's Sagrada Familia. It does stick out mm -hmm. like I don't know how many feet in the air or meters in the air for <laughs> European <laughs> measurements yeah. um, but you know and I guess Domenech y Montaner's buildings are a little bit more subtle yeah exactly yeah subtle, although not but, extremely but, but subtle exactly, <laughs> because you definitely because notice them we yeah. definitely notice them and also when you just walk inside you're overwhelmed mm -hmm. by all the different textures the, the flowers the, everything yeah so the word Subtle is also quite relative when we talk about modernism and Domenech y Montané. For sure. And hopefully this podcast will get him more fans. Fingers crossed. It's time now for our Catalan phrase of the week. What is it, Lea? Al comun San Pau. Okay, so I'm getting some Hospital San Pau references here. <laughs> exactly. But what, what does that mean? It means to be very tall. Okay, so it's literally it means to be tall like San Pau. Yes. Who is Saint Paul. Saint Paul. So apparently, I guess, I he, guess was he was tall. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, we'll have to look into it. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Leah, for your reporting. Thank you also to Miquel and Carlas for speaking with us. We'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Filling the Sink. In the meantime, you can catch Catalan News on social media or email us at fillingthesink at acn.cat. On behalf of the entire team here at Catalan News, I'm Lucia Benavides, wishing you a wonderful weekend. Goodbye, ciao, adeo.